0: I lean over and hit my cough button, and then I burp into my hand. Yeah, that was me. I, I belched on uh, on television. It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison.
1: Hey, welcome back to the H-Dog Pod after a one-month hiatus for Episode 71, the Walter Jones edition of the podcast I was asked recently at my buddy Costa Karadakis' wedding, more on that in a little bit, who my fave Seahawks player of all time was, and I have to say, it's definitely Walter Jones. Drafted 6th overall in 1997, Jones was a behemoth, good word, anchoring an offensive line that made the Super Bowl against the Steelers in 2006, where Seattle got robbed of a title by referee Bill Levy. Jones started 180 games for Seattle, and the team attempted more than 5,500 passes, and he allowed just 23 sacks and was penalized for holding only nine times. The dude was incredible. He was a four-time first-team All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler, and was enshrined in the Football Hall of Fame in 2014. My favorite stories about Jones involved transport trucks. He often didn't sign contracts till the exact start of the season, so for training, he pushed transport trucks like they were no big deal. What a freak of an athlete. Speaking of freakish athletes... Let's discuss the aforementioned wedding that I attended a couple weeks ago. As is my customary fashion at weddings, there's no chance in a million years I'll dance... ...until I get enough giggle water in me. And I didn't disappoint, going from sitting at the table the whole night... ...to leading the dance floor over the song, I've Got a Feeling" by Black Eyed Peas. Talk about athletic prowess, holy. My next guest knows all about the incredible athletic achievements of... ...not me, but rather professional athletes. So without further ado... Let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on Derek Taylor. He's the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the host of Sports Cage on 620 CKRM in Regina, CFL betting tips expert for TSN Edge, and former sports center anchor. Welcome to the H Dog Pod, Derek.
0: I like the I like the expert thing, the betting expert. That's a good title. I enjoy that.
1: <laughs> well, you hope uh, obviously you win uh, quite a few bets, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, some, perhaps, some of our best uh, gambling uh, wins and uh, worst beats for sure. I'll, we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, take us back to the start of your career. I, I'm uh, I'm intrigued. Uh, how you got into the industry to where uh, you are today?
0: So I was pretty lucky. I figured out early, early on what I wanted to do. I was I was probably 14 or so when I went you know I, I'm probably not going to be a professional athlete here in small-town Alberta, where there are many athletes way better than I am at virtually every sport I enjoy. <laughs> but, hey, I wonder if I could talk about sports for my life. Uh, okay, so I got into some TV work when I was in high school and, you know, around sports, and then just other TV production as well. Went to, to university for it in Toronto, and uh, honestly, uh, the, probably the biggest break in the whole thing for me. I'd done an internship at a Toronto radio station with the sports director but the biggest break for me honestly was that jay Enright was my roommate in second year of university it no was my way. second year yeah it was my second year in his first year and <laughs> none of us kind of knew each other but we had the rooms right next to each other in this suite at the university at ryerson and then jay of course you knew very quickly jay was going to be a superstar so he had i'm like oh he's working at tsm that's amazing so one day after after we had uh, like after we graduated, I didn't graduate, but that's a whole other thing. After we graduated, uh, you know, we're still in touch. He's like, hey, why don't you come to work with me today? He was at TSN. Oh, yes, please. I would, I would love that to be. And we've talked about it many times before. And he brought me in one day and he kind of showed me around and saw the newsroom. And they said, uh, hey, why don't, you, why don't you come back and, and you know, do a couple of shifts and see how it goes? And I thought, ooh, this would be fantastic. And, yeah, got a job as a, as a writer and moved on from there and then just progressed through always with the goal of, of being one day back at uh, back at you know, TSN. So I always wanted to do Sports Desk, as it was at the time, but now Sports mm-hmm. Center. And, and that's kind of where everything kind of sprung from. Jay, you know, helped me with a future one, getting a job mm-hmm. in, in Winnipeg as a news reporter and move up to a bigger market. And then just, you know, you just keep going from there, always looking for – the next opportunity or dealing with the next challenge. And that led me to TSN, which that whole experience led me to my job now uh, as the the voice of the riders and the host of a a a two-and-a-half-hour daily sports talk show.
1: That's uh, that's pretty awesome. I, I, for some reason, I didn't know that uh, you and Jay Onright were uh, roommates. That's uh, obviously Jay Onright's a show that I work on, uh, TSN. So that's uh, that's amazing. But how is he as a roommate? You said he was obviously you knew he was going to be a superstar. But uh, any good uh, Jay stories there that are uh, you shouldn't probably tell, but will? Oh, I'll
0: tell you the ball. No, I, honestly, um, I don't know. I don't know everything Jay had going on in university. He, was, he kept it very much quiet. Like he he's not a quiet guy. He's very outgoing, and he. And he loved talking to people, but you didn't really know what he had going on because he, he kind of kept all that stuff to himself. Whether it was he didn't want to appear like he was bragging, or he didn't want people to know his business. Uh, he's always open and, and welcoming, and, and when you talk to him, he always wanted to know how you were doing, and just a just a guy who makes you feel better when you come into the room. But you know, when you're like, oh, I, I who who went JB dating, or who like this where might he be doing this you have i just had no idea uh maybe that's the fault of mine for not you know asking him and, and prying a little more but he did a great job of not uh, not overwhelming everybody with the with the personal details of his life and you're like oh okay I, I wish i i wish maybe i'd asked a little more or asked around a little more and then i would have some real good stuff for you but he was just—he just—I mean, he is—he was the guy he is today. He's a great dude.
1: Oh, absolutely, no, no question about that. Uh, so yeah, you obviously are a voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Roughriders. Uh, tell us about that and and just how uh, obviously amazing. I'm sure that's—that's. That's, I'm sure that's your dream job, right?
0: Oh, it's the job. I, I think I'll die in like 2024. 20, great cup. 2024. Oh gosh, <laughs> it was not 2024. 20, 2044. 20, great cup. 2064. Great cup. One of those fours way down the road. Just. Just, just croak in the booth as the as the riders win the Grey Cup. I I just I just love football for and I came to it in kind of a a weird fashion. I, I played it back in the day, but I came to my love of the CFL from working at TSN, and I, I always knew I wanted to do play by play. And to actually get to be there for these moments, the good ones and the absolutely heartbreaking ones, is it's tremendous because you really feel it when Cody Fajardo rings the ball off the crossbar at the end of the West final, and oh everything they worked for in a 13 win season is over. You really feel that just like you felt three plays before when Marcus sales has an interception, go right through his hands on third down and Kyron Moore catches it and steps out of bounds and keeps the riders alive in a play that should have been the end of their season. Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. They're destined to win. And then the crossbar thing happened three plays later. And oh, God, this is a roller coaster and I love being on it. It's, play-by-play
1: is just the best yeah the you know i'm a diehard seahawks fan have been since like the late 90s and uh you know uh that's i would say for sure my favorite team and yeah the the ups and downs and you know the and the amazing plays obviously i've had a, a couple heartbreaking losses as as a seattle fan as well and uh <laughs> yeah that loss in that west final for saskatchewan uh then then he did it again uh, a couple weeks ago uh in the uh, uh in the labor day classic right pretty much the exact same playoff the crossbar
0: uh, yes, it was the opposite end zone. In the playoffs, it was the north end zone. Uh, in this game, it was the south end zone. Uh, go in the red zone, targeting the same receiver, jointed off the crossbar, and my reaction calling the game was, Tony uh, Pajardo drops back, looking into the end zone. Oh, he he, he hit the crossbar again. again. He hit the crossbar again. I can't believe it. Uh, Pajardo was a good humor about it because, you know, you laugh to keep yourself from crying at certain levels, and, the, and they end up winning the game. Oh, no, they, sorry, that was the Winnipeg. They end up losing the game. But same receiver, same opponent, Ugh. same thing happens to kill the play. Uh, those, those are the moments you live for as a play-by-play uh, guy, and those are the moments that kill you as the fan in you as you're the play-by-play guy.
1: Yeah, oh, that's so painful. Now, obviously, you said he grew up yeah. in Alberta, so were you – uh, not a Riders fan growing up or did you like uh, the Stampeders or uh, Edmonton or what was uh, did you have a team
0: so my my mom and my dad were kind of an introduction to the CFL my mom grew up in Saskatchewan she was the she was always a Riders fan but I grew up at the time where you know I, I, I feel like my dad would have the CFL on. I think feel like it was on CBC at the time and he would be yelling at Warren Moon because mm-hmm. Warren Moon was the quarterback of the then uh, Edmonton the, the, the Elks sometimes. it was Warren Moon and I just remember my dad in his recliner, run Warren, run. He was a big, he was a big Elks fan for whatever reason. And I, and I like, Oh, this, this is pretty fun. And then there was the whole Warren moon, Tommy Wilkinson. Oh, they're using two quarterbacks. And that one guy, the older guy threw it with two hands. Oh, okay. This seems like a pretty cool sport. Uh, so that was, that was kind of where I came to it. So honestly I grew up at, I grew up an Elks fan. I grew up an Oilers fan, though. We lived near Calgary. Uh, I grew up like an Oilers fan and, uh, yeah, those and then like a, a L.A. Lakers fan, so I was I was a little bit of a little bit of everywhere. Oh
1: well, yeah, you certainly had a, quite a few championships to be able to watch, which uh, must be nice because a lot of Toronto sports fans don't quite have that same level, uh, you know, of championships. Uh, unfortunately, so do you have like a favorite moment uh, that uh, in your career
0: there or? Oh, a favorite moment in my career. Um, honestly, it's probably it, it's probably the first time I got to call a game. At TSN, because there are there very few times that once, once I got to that level, just with the experience I had, there were very few times I was nervous, right? Like my first sports center that I did with Blake Price, I wasn't nervous really at all because uh, I'd done previously five years hosting a, a sports highlight show uh, on soccer, on the Fox Soccer Channel. So I wasn't nervous in that respect. But the first time I got to call a game, it was a preseason game in 2017-2018, uh, it was Ottawa and Montreal in a preseason game, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! Thank goodness it's it's Wayne Ford, who I really like, and and we're we're buddies." Because oh my goodness, I was just flipping out, and I had to call my wife like an hour before the broadcast to to calm me down a little bit, and just to, just to feel that those those level of nerves, and yet know deep in your heart that oh yeah, no, I'm I'm very qualified to do this. I know these teams, uh, and I know what's what's going to happen here. Uh, just to feel those nerves. I mean, just to feel anything to that degree is, is fantastic. So honestly, that's, that's one of my favorite moments there are, there are you know, times I sing a guy on Twitter or, or how I managed to slip. There were two times I managed to slip a friend's name into sports center because they asked me to do them a favor. And I'm, I'm super proud of those. And since they were sports that a lot of people didn't really know, I got away with them. So uh, my, my buddy, Greg Hosegood, who I made an, an all time great uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers receiver, and uh, my buddy Hafiz Khan, who I made uh, one of the elite Egyptian strikers of all time alongside names like Abu Trika. I I was very proud of those ones, and those guys will never forget it.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Basically, the reason I asked about the proudest moment was basically to set you up for the next one, which is uh, embarrassing moments where you're just like, oh, God, why the hell did I just say that?
0: Well, so oddly enough, there was an embarrassing TSN moment uh, that just happened in my job as the voice of the Riders. Uh, uh, Glenn Suter does a, does my uh, radio show a few times a week and then contributes to our pregame show as well. And uh, He had the uh, director, the producer, spin the camera around to our radio booth for the Labor Day game against the Bombers. And there's a shot at me and my partner, Luke Mullender, longtime CFL veteran and now, you know, doing the radio for a bunch of years. And, hey, and Suter's like, hey, there's there's Luke, Derek and Luke. Uh, they do the sports cage and I'm happy to be a part of their team and blah, blah. And what you very clearly see if you know what you're looking for is I stop talking and Luke starts talking. We're looking down to the left because the play is going to start there eventually. I lean over and hit my cough button and then I burp into my hand. And you, you see my cheeks go blowfish and then back down and you go, Yeah, that was me. I, I belched on uh, on television. That wasn't uh, that wasn't great. Yeah. So and, and there's there's a million of those, right? Whether it was something you said that was dumb or just, word, you know, your words got ahead of your brain or, you know, times that you were nervous in a bad way. You know, yeah, it's you, you can't get away from, you know, that many years on national television without without doing something to, you know, that, that makes your family hide in shame when you get home that night.
1: <laughs> uh, my favorite moment, I think I've mentioned a couple of times in this podcast that I said was I was going on a rant about because uh, I'm very much uh, a, a spelling and grammar Nerd, and I was going out, uh, on a rant about that, and unfortunately, it came out as a, that I'm a grammar nerd instead of a grammar nerd. and <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a whole new context, obviously, with that one, right?
0: <laughs> uh, on that topic, do you? This one drives me nuts because I'm much of the same way of spelling and grammar. Ner- grammar nerds does it? Does it bother you when people say kilometers instead of kilometers?
1: Well, I never really thought about that one. I guess you don't really ever uh, hear that too often. Uh, kilometer. Not so much that one necessarily, but there's several others uh, certainly that just oh my god why yeah. why it's not not even necessarily so much uh, expressions it's spelling like when people spell lose with two o's holy crap
0: oh. <laughs> yeah well and that's what I, that that was part of my, my thing I'd be doing sports center the late night sports center with Laura Dykin. and these a board pops up or a graphic pops up from the highlights but not from not from the TSN operator side but from the highlights and, oh that's not that's not spelled right and just you look at the board and just my eyes are just drawn to the E and the I that are transposed and yeah that was I feel like hopefully that was helpful but ho- and hopefully it wasn't frustrating for the people like oh yeah we should fix that uh, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. That's uh, I'd have been a great copy editor in a newspaper because those things drive. I'm with you; they drive me bonkers.
1: Oh, absolutely! Actually, I was at a Canada's Wonderland years ago, and it was, this one really broke my brain because there was a T-shirt that was made, and usually people will say they'll spell the "your" "your" wrong, like it's you know should be an, an apostrophe there, but uh, but in this case, the shirt it was supposed to be Y-O-U-R. you but they actually had the shirt on a shirt again. It was printed on a shirt. Y o u apostrophe r e. And usually, like I said, it's the other way around. That mistake. And that one just broke my brain.
0: Uh yeah, those those ones are are frustrating, and it's not getting any better, right? Because it's just it's just quicker to, to text the other ones sometimes. I and mean, just I you just have to kind of roll with it. Like I can't I'm not policing my buddies when they send me texts and stuff. But You go. Uh, I hope this doesn't contribute to the total downfall of society one
1: day. It's actually funny. I, I have a really good buddy, uh, Adam Scully, who uh, ba- basically uh, through our text all the time will spell everything wrong like, on purpose just to tr- sort of troll each other. But there's a couple times now that I'm almost, when I'm talking to other people, I'm almost, whoa, 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 that's that's not the right way to spell that word. But I'm just so used to spelling these things wrong because it just, oh my God, just drives you crazy sometimes. sometimes it's uh, yep.
0: What did you think when the Edmonton football team came out with Edmonton Elks? with an S. Yeah, uh,
1: that was, uh, I was pretty interesting. Actually, I like the team name as well. I think it was pretty good, but instead of the, you mean the Edmonton Elk.
0: Yeah, and they, they had a thing where they went, oh, well, we talked with some linguistics experts and I just Googled it and they're like, no, the, the plural of elk is elk. Like, right. <laughs> Elks are, elk, Elks are the, the guys who go together to the lodge and do good things in their community. Elk are those big white animals that tie you up on the highway when you're driving through the mountains in Alberta and BC. Like, <laughs> So, that that drives Luke, my partner, absolutely nuts. He's like, it's the Edmonton Elk. So I can't wait for the two games against me calling them the Elks and Luke distinctly referring to them <laughs> as the Edmonton Elk and just hitting the K super hard. Really great.
1: <laughs> for so yeah, for, I don't know why I didn't even dawn on me on that one? It should have obviously. That's funny. Uh, I know uh, when you were on uh, SportsCenter, you'd had uh, some great uh, Simpsons quotes uh, that you like to use for your on-cams. Uh, and and uh, well, first of all, my first question is, what uh, do you have a favorite quote from the Simpsons?
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh, do I have a favorite quote from The Simpsons? Uh, the, the thing that immediately comes to mind is just it, Sideshow Bob. Like, Homer has his annoyed grunt, they call it. Right? I do Everybody knows that. But uh, Sideshow Bob would have one, too. And it would just be, anytime something goes horribly wrong for me, just like, no. So he, uh, in the Cape Fear episode, he, he buckles himself to the underside of the car as The Simpsons go into witness relocation. And he steps, you know, unhooks himself in the car, and then they had to kill some time in the episode. So he, for some reason, uh, at this, at this lake, steps on a rake and it hits him in the face. He's like, ooh, and then he turns and takes a step in the other direction. He steps on another rake and it hits him in the face. So sideshow Bob's kind of annoyed grunt, whatever, whatever they officially call that, is is right up there. And then, I mean, that whole episode with the FBI guys trying to tell Homer that he's got a new identity, and it. Now, when I when I say hello and you press down on your foot, you say hi. And the guy goes, hello, Mr. Thompson, and presses down on his foot. And Homer goes, I think he's talking to you because he just doesn't get the, the whole concept of now he's a different person. There's just, honestly, they just come to you at any point, right? When you have, when something's ingrained as the uh, the early Simpsons is into me, it just comes to you at any point, and everything kind of tracks back to be a Simpsons quote, something Lionel Hut said in court one day. Or, or whatever it might be, Hank Scorpio asked Homer to kill somebody if you can kill somebody in the way out, that'd be really helpful for me, right? Those just they just come to you like that. And that's uh, someday if the Simpsons ever go off TV, my career is over. I'm just saying,
1: the so I, I was gonna ask about that, but the Simpsons obviously they're still on TV, and I haven't watched a new episode in probably like 15 years or something like that. So, but they, they must get decent enough ratings if they've still been on for that long. So, my question is basically, well, first of all, do you even watch the new ones? And like, obviously. You know, everyone. It's generally accepted the earlier seasons, maybe I don't know, season six to ten or somewhere around there, are the better ones. But the kids these days who are watching Simpsons, obviously, they I'm sure haven't watched the early season. So I'm wondering, I'm curious if you watch it or if it's like, if it's still, it must be decent. But I honestly don't know a single person that watches the new episodes.
0: Yeah, I, I've just kind of, I've I've come to the point where now they're in season thirty-two. I, I for probably. I don't know, 15 years. have just kind of had it on in the background when I have it on because it's just, it's just not the same. And you know, that that's kind of old guy take on it. But uh, I remember doing like my favorite Simpsons epi- episodes of all time, probably seven years ago. And the, the last one was, I think in, in season 14. So it's been 18 years on since they've had an episode that really kind of struck me, but the, the, the old ones were so good. Uh, and you know, they're just they're iconic at this point and and you feel like they they must be like you say they must be getting good enough ratings to to keep going because shows like that are not cheap to to produce but uh we i guess we have this thing with with cartoons like family guy must be has got to be approaching 20 years and the south park's been on for more than 20 seasons i think archer just started season 12 and bob's birker i must be going into at least season 10. We, it's tough to get rid of good cartoons once they're out there. And, and The Simpsons is, I mean, The Simpsons is probably the greatest one we've had. Just, it's, it just, you lose writers like Conan O'Brien, and how could you possibly replace that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, it, but yeah, whenever, whenever we go back to some of the older ones, whenever, you know, whenever Kate Fear is on, or whenever, yeah, the Hank Scorpio episode is on, or, uh, Gosh, there's anything involving, oh, uh, Lemon of Troy with Troy McClure and anything Phil Hartman did back in the day. I'm in. I'm just, I'm buckled in. I'm in.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I said, if, if any listeners uh, listen to this podcast actually watch current Simpsons episodes, hit me up and let me know. I'm so curious, like what people's view of them. because, Like I said, say teenagers who are watching the show. They obviously, like I said, they probably haven't watched the, you know, 15 seasons ago. So they wouldn't know that, that that's the better Simpsons. So I'm just curious how, how people view, the, view it, because I haven't seen it in, like I said, in forever. So,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm super curious about that, too, because like uh, professional athletes now, like so my show will cover obviously the riders, but also university football and junior hockey. And I'm always when we have some spare time talking to the athletes, I'm kind of I'm, I'm curious, like, well, what is a What pop culture does a 27 year old know? nowadays and that you know you try to see you know do does anybody watch seinfeld which has been off the air for most of their life or uh do you understand certain references that are you know that i would die if i didn't have these references and, and i'm i'm actually i'm i'm usually quite impressed with, like, oh wow they actually do there are some shows that just that just do linger right for for folks it's just uh yeah they they then spin around some references and i have no idea <laughs> what uh uh, no idea whatsoever. Any of those, unless it's like F Boy Island, which my wife just watched. I would nail those ones, but uh, some of them just just slip by me because I'm an old man now.
1: Do you see F Boy? Island? I haven't actually seen that show at all. I've I've heard uh, some good things. I I pretty much just stick to Bachelor in Paradise and uh, Love Island. Have you ever watched that one?
0: Uh, uh, my my wife has had those on in the background, but I, I actually I stuck around for some of F Boy Island. So I think Nikki Glaser is friggin' hilarious. And she's the executive producer and host of F-Boy Island. I thought, oh, okay, well, the the 8% of the uh, attention I'm willing to give to a reality show these days about guys and gals and people walking around topless and who's sleeping with who I'll give it to her I'll give it to Nikki Glaser because she is funny as
1: hell <laughs> yeah I haven't seen that show uh, like I said the Love Island though is the best one in my opinion because the narrator there's a narrator dude and he just makes fun of everybody on the island and it's just yeah. it just makes the whole show I, I love it so much and uh, it's only on for like I think a month during the summer so it's not a crazy time commitment so uh, I love that one so much
0: yeah my-, my wife is all over though so I get I sometimes get to by osmosis as I'm trying to, I'm trying to do other things or pretend I'm trying to do other things. I'm, I'll just say this: sometimes I'm pretending to try to do other things just to keep appearances up.
1: <laughs> yeah, you said earlier uh, that you uh, slipped in a couple of uh, people's names to, you know, as jokes for on SportsCenter, and actually one that I, I just uh, sprung to mind that you would say sometimes that. I was like, "That's awesome that you got that out there." I'm surprised uh, that no one said anything about it. Uh, you sometimes, uh, in a, on a deflection for a goal, you'd say uh, just the tip. Yeah, how'd you know? Yeah,
0: uh, no one ever mentioned that one to me. I, I'm trying to think of the ones that that, uh, that I ever I got bit for at some point, but no one, no one ever mentioned just the tip. Like, uh, yeah, protect Sidney Crosby in front of the goal. Just the tip. And then he paused to let it linger for a bit to one to the penguins. I, I never heard anything about that one. Um, there, there were, there were other times where, where I did, people didn't go, yeah, maybe don't do that one ever again. And you go, oh, okay, <laughs> I tried at least, but yeah, I never got it. I never got in trouble for just the tip. I, I just presume that mostly, a uh, sports more time show is mostly a male audience. And honestly, just the tip isn't, isn't particularly offensive, but it's, it, it's not crossing the line, but it can see the line. Mm-hmm. Like you can mm-hmm. see the line in the in the near horizon. So I, I thought I enjoyed that because it felt a little dangerous to try to get away with that one. But yeah, <laughs> just a tip was good times. Oh. oh, I love those. <laughs> that
1: was funny. Yeah, uh, well, another host that would he would often say stuff on Sports Center, and, and I just couldn't believe it. He would say uh, my favorite one from uh, our, our good buddy uh, Darren Detition. We're thinking of you, by the way, Darren. You're the best. But his favorite one was uh, he'd say uh, uh, for Edgar Renteria home run he'd say Renteria gonorrhea and I was like how in the world does Dutch get away with this he is just the best and like I said we're we're thinking about him in his battle of cancer he'll he'll fight through this and we love him so much
0: yeah uh, and Dutch is Dutch is a guy right Dutch is a guy who 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 kind of makes it safe for this is my perception of it makes it safe for other anchors to try to to try to stop out right because. Dutch has, Dutch has kind of earned his stripes in that. Even by the time when I was a writer there in 1998, uh, Dutch had well long earned his stripes to to be able to try stuff like that. And there are times where I'm sure he's gotten in trouble for it. There's there's one that I I know of that he's like, eh, it was funny. I'm like it, it really was a good line. I really did enjoy <laughs> it. Um, but y- you kind of go, oh, okay. Well, as you get more confident in your role there, and and you get more confident in the format, you just go. Ah, oh, you know what? Let's see this. And we all know where we all know things that are totally out of bounds and you stay away from those And because you don't want to be making you don't really want to be making fun of people. You want to make fun of situations or you want to just have fun with I mean, you work in a, in a newsroom setting like that, like at, at some point, one baseball game looks like every other baseball game. If it's not if it's not performed correctly by the anchor or the, the hilarious stuff isn't pulled out by the person writing and creating the highlight pack, right? You could just, oh, there's the grounder to shortstop and the double play that gets the Royals out of a jam. And there's the home run that gives the Mariners the lead. And there's the final pitch from the closer and 3-2 the final. You don't, you don't want to see that. You got to have a little fun with it. You got to add a little spice to it. One, for the audience. Two, for yourself, right? Because you've, you've, you've cut a million highlight packs in your life or you've performed a million highlight packs on, on TV and you go, how, how's today going to be different? How's today going to be better? How are we going to, how are we going to get through this alive, me and my partner? And how's the audience going to have the best time it can? So it's not for everybody. Like not everybody's going to, going to push that line, but, you know, that was that was something I really wanted to do because, I, one, I thought it was funny, and two, I thought people would think it was funny.
1: Yeah, actually, I always liked doing the baseball highlight packs when I was a writer on the row. I started in 2006, and, uh, yeah, I always liked doing those because you can be so creative with them because outside of, obviously, the Blue Jays games or even maybe Yankees and Red Sox, you know, if it's a Brewers-Cardinals game, for the most part, no one really cares about the highlights of the game. So you could really sort of go off on different tangents and you can really be creative with those different... Uh, uh, type of packs,
0: yeah, and and you have to right because yeah, it's just it's, yeah, uh, gosh, 162 baseball games for 30 teams is yeah, about 2,000 of those will be indecipherable, and then 2,000 more will 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 be slightly different. And then there'll be like 50 really great ones, but then uh, the folks who write on Sportsnet are actually by the time those highlights get to TV, go wow, okay, this this one, this was fun. Oh wow, who would have thought this random 105 Eastern start in the on the uh, East coast was actually an interesting baseball game between two teams that are well out of the playoffs. So yeah, that's, that's when, that's when sports center and how shows are, are working at their best. Right. When the folks who, who are, uh, who are writing it and cutting it are, are, basically give the anchor really something to work with because you get some, you'll get some highlight packs where you're like, oh, okay, I have to really force some something into this. And there are others where you just go, I just need to put a little sprinkle on top of this beautiful cake I've been delivered, and it's good to go.
1: <laughs> now I did a highlight pack maybe many, many years ago. Now probably I don't know, twelve years ago, probably something like that. It was a Texas Rangers game, and again, it was like probably August. There was like you know nothing was really going on in the game, and they said uh, they needed they had this massive, massive new uh, burger they were making. And the whole highlight pack was this. <laughs> and for some reason, uh, it gets lost in the top tens of, like, you know, top ten fans or whatever. I guess maybe yeah. you know, maybe it wasn't archived or something, or people just forgot about it, and then they, you know, they, they've moved on from it. But basically, the, the host was like, uh, you know, we got a huge burger here. We need a fan to, like, really have this. Big Smooth, we got a guy named Big Smooth, Big Smooth, get in here. And then Big Smooth, he came in, and he took the, uh, the burger, and he's like, oh, I can handle that. And he just mowed down this burger or whatever, and he was just—it was the most ridiculous thing ever. Like, because you didn't see Big Smooth off—he was off camera initially. And that High yeah. pack, I love that. Was my one of my favorite ones ever because it was like it had literally nothing to do with the baseball game at all. Just this awesome fan named named a Big Smooth.
0: I so I had one back in so I, I was a writer and an editorial assistant from '98 to 2000, and I, you know that was that was ingrained to us back then. You're looking for something cool. The Baltimore Orioles game. Uh, I feel like they had been recently into their new park, and they had this guy who sold lemonade in the crowd, and he was super aggressive with the lemonade. Once someone ordered it, right, uh, and, and they this had obviously been a thing because the broadcast all over him. So they had this extended shot of him putting the lemonade together and just shaking it way too aggressively. Like it starts spilling over stuff, and he's just shaking it, ready to deliver it to a customer. So I had 45 seconds or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, I got time for three highlights. And uh, this was a pack I did, I feel like I did for Dutch. Uh, and I went, okay, well, here's the guy with the lemonade. And then here's a the highlight. And now the guy's putting the lemonade together and there. Here's another highlight. And just making it seem like that this, uh, this lemonade took two and a half hours for this guy to make. And it's all of a sudden very aggressively shaking it and then cut to a highlight. And shaking it and then he, you know, final highlight. And then he just takes the top off the lemonade and hands it to somebody and, at Dutch's line, I'm like, "Oh, great! Ball game's over, and I finally got my lemonade. Sweet! That sucks. No tip for you. <laughs> Orioles win four three. Like, right? You're just you're always trying to find something, and yeah, I, oh, God, I love doing that job back in the day. Oh, so good.
1: Let's get back to the Rough Riders here. Um, how fun is it to be uh, broadcasting games in front of fans the the best fans in the, in the world, uh, or at least the CFL anyway? Uh, I've always wanted to go to a game there just because it looks like it is an absolute blast there.
0: Oh, it's it's a riot! Like even even when they were sold out in week number one as they returned, and they were sold out but not entirely full for the Labor Day game against the Riders. I mean, even when it's you know twenty seven thousand, twenty nine thousand, they are so loud. They are so loud, and they are so jacked when uh, I'm trying to think of of uh, what would it, when when they're running the score up on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Oh, it's just an absolute party in there. And I, we were commenting a couple of games ago at home. And just, you see the, the the string of jerseys we're on the West side of the stadium. So you, we look down on the lower bowl and you see all the jerseys and all the eras that these jerseys comprise. And then all the, there, there's a guy wearing a Mitchell Gale jersey and you go, Mitch Gale was, was a very tiny part of a very specific era of the riders. <laughs> and there's a guy with a Mitchell Gale jersey. That's amazing right there's there's just all, all these people and you go this all oh, these people have been here for and that guy's probably been here for 50 years based on who's on his jersey that he's wearing it's people have such passion for the riders i can't talk too much about the riders in my show right but this week cody Pachardo. we we kind of don't know what his status is because he suffered a, a concussion in the banjo bowl against the riders while well, he was at practice yesterday How did he look what was his deal how many did he throw? Did he take a lot of reps in twelve on twelve? How is this? Well, what about this guy? He's been injured. What, what about him? What about this depth defensive tackle? What? How does he look? This guy who was with us in training camp that we haven't seen today. Do you think he can make an impact? Go, oh yeah, this is this is where I meant to be. Where people are are really in love with the team this much and really are interested in the even the tiniest parts of it this much. Do you remember Paul McRoberts at training camp in twenty nineteen? And any any true Ryder fan who was there in Saskatoon that day will go, I do because man, he had those four catches, and Paul McRoberts has had four passes thrown to him, uh, you know, in actual games. But if you, if you were there that day in Saskatoon you can have a real lengthy conversation with somebody here at Saskatchewan about that day. And that's, I love that. I love that passion for it. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. I love, uh, obviously Seahawks, like I said, or my team. I love that. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the, the, the third string left guard and stuff like that. Uh, those discussions are, yeah. I love that. And actually you said, uh, a, a guy with a, a random Jersey and I, I uh, sparked a memory of mine. I had a question that I posed to people a little while ago about, uh, about the blue Jays specifically, uh, what player could you get on the back of a jersey, which obviously he wasn't a good player? He wasn't some sort of stud. So a totally random Blue Jay player. However, he's not so random that nobody remembers him, but he's a, a just enough memorable that people remember him, even though he was awful. Uh, do you have a, does a? Do you have a player that springs to mind? I, I have one that I think trumps all uh, all the other ones.
0: I feel like if I had like a Troy Tula whiskey jersey, everybody would feel sad for me because that just didn't work out the way it should have, right?
1: And that that's uh, a, that's too well known of a known of a player, so yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, hit,
0: what what do you got? Hit, hit me with yours. I'm
1: curious. Josh Tolley, I think, is the perfect oh my God. Blue Jay. <laughs> yeah. who's random? Who wasn't good, but everyone knows him. Obviously, as R.A. Dicky's personal catcher. Like that that type of jersey, I think would be epic if you wear that at, at Skydome or whatever. Everyone would just go bonkers.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, I love that that one is great. Yeah. Uh, anything that would that would evoke that? Oh my god! Yeah, because Ari Dickey. You know, like, oh yeah, no R.A. Dickey he was great. Oh, uh, but his personal catcher would be incredible. Oh my! And, had- um, and pe- but people, there are a certain number of people who would wonder: is your is your last name Tolley? Like is that is that you on the back? Because that that's, that's getting into the deeper cut. But <laughs> I love it.
1: Yeah, the uh, there was a year uh, I think he had a home run. I want to say maybe the first series. I think it was maybe oh, gosh the concept of years go, uh, fly by. Maybe six years ago or something. Uh, he hit one home run, like the first series I want to say in April. And then into like July, I believe it was his stat line still read one home run, one RBI. It was, and he played a number of games, but he just never did anything offensively. And he was just like the supposed awesome, great catcher whatever, or at least defensive catcher. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that's the name that's just the, the, the best for that scenario.
0: Uh, he hit 200 in his career with the Toronto Blue Jays, but he OPS 522. So <laughs> thank goodness he could catch the knuckleball. Goodness. Yeah. That, that'd be a great one. I would, I would respect it. When someone finally explained that to one to me, I would absolutely stand up and applaud it.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for that. Yeah. The, uh, so the, yeah, for the, for the Riders. Uh, do you have any like go-to players, uh, going back to them, uh, go-to players that you love, uh, to interview that are just, you know, great, uh, great quote.
0: We're, we're just blessed in that in, uh, quarterback Cody Fajardo and head coach Craig Dickinson are incredible interviews. They are just amazing. I've, I've talked to Cody dozens of times now because he would do a, a weekly segment on our show during the pandemic. And he will tell you, I mean, he's not going to give away the store, right? He's not going to tell you how we're going to run this week against the, uh, the Toronto Argonauts. Like he would take the old offensive coordinator's offense and break down everything. Yeah, here's what I was supposed to be doing, boop a doop a because we're doing this and that and this. And he'll tell you stories from his life, and he's open about stuff. You know, Not to the point of you know that it will harm his job, but he's just very open about everything. You want to ask him about football, his life growing up, you want to ask him about his religion, he will absolutely give it to you. And then uh, Craig Dickinson, the head coach, man, he's he'll be honest with you. Like sometimes where you maybe don't expect it. We asked him last year about, Hey, this guy's going into the starting lineup. What's he done to earn his job in the starting lineup? And he said, yeah, you know what? He really hasn't because blank, like when you go, wow, that is, that is frankness. I'm not used to from a professional coach. Mm. And it's amazing, right? As a fan. And as a, like as a sports media observer, you go, wow, no one does that. And that adds so much to it. And it's, it's actual honesty from a from a coaching view. How often do you get that? Mm-hmm. So we're we're blessed with, with that. Um, there guys like their star receiver, Shaq Evans, is also pretty open about stuff. It takes maybe a little while to get there, but we, we have some guys for you know who are in incredible interviews. It's not it, it's not I'm not going to pretend it's everybody because some guys just don't like talking to the media and some guys just don't like. You know, want to keep secrets, right? About how they do their, their job. It's, it's their craft and they've worked at it and they want to keep some secrets. But we're blessed that in their two most important positions, the two that we as the media want to talk to the most, that they're open and honest and they'll actually think about the question you're asking instead of just giving you, uh, one yard at a time, one inch at a time, one game at a time, right? So mm-hmm. we're, it's a great, it's a great time to be a, a, a writers fan and great time to be the media for the writers as well. I'm glad
1: you touched on uh, you know those those players that, that are interesting and actually give like, good answers and stuff because that's one of the things that b- bothers me so much about the media sometimes uh, is just that we crucify players for never saying anything and to be fair a lot of them don't say anything and it's really frustrating but then the second they actually do say something interesting that's not any in any way out of bounds it's not nothing like really really horrible then we skewer <clears throat> them for opening their mouths it's like mouths it's like You can't have it both ways. You can't hate them for saying nothing. And then the second they say something, then you hate on them. It's like, it always frustrates me. Especially when it's nothing, like even that big of a deal, you know, like I remember years ago at the uh, cup final, PK Subban made some uh, joke about uh, Sidney Crosby, I think needing Listerine or something along those lines anyway. (laughs) That's that yeah. nothing thing who really cares. It doesn't matter, but it's like, "Oh, we got to rip this guy for saying that." Now it's like, "Are we actually ripping a player for saying making a joke about Listerine? Like, get a grip. Come on."
0: Yeah. And in there is kind of why I'm glad I covered soccer for so many years. Like I started 5 years on the Fox Soccer Report. And what you what you learn very quickly is that we would do a lot of English Premier League. And those guys will not say anything about anything. When, they, when they're asked about a specific player on the other team, they won't even say the guy's name, right? right? Because they know it's been ingrained in them that if they say anything, even the slightest bit controversial, it's going to be a headline on sick newspapers. And they're going to blow it totally out of proportion. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, so you guys you guys get nothing from these athletes who are probably super interesting and have neat things to, to say, but you get nothing because you ruined it on the media side mm-hmm. so they're not giving you anything and now you feel forced to make up even more stuff and it's just a disaster right and and so you yeah, I use that to kind of police my own my own self and go okay I could make this into something super inflammatory and it would it would do well it would draw people to listen to my show and someone will be like oh that's terrible and would be like yeah, I think you're making way too much out of this, uh, but I, I just I can't do it I can't do it because I want guys to know that, you know, if you say something, I'm not going to make it the worst version of itself, right? I'm going to go, oh, okay, well, this is a guy, and these are his experiences, and this is what he thinks, and there you go. Okay, that, that makes perfect sense to me. I can could, I could empathize with that guy in that situation if it requires empathy, right? But I can put myself in his shoes and just take it at, at face value and go, Perfect. I want to encourage that. I would love to encourage you telling me that you are better than the guy that you're going to face this week. So I'm not (laughs) going to hammer on you for it. And if it doesn't go your way, I'm not going to hammer on it, hammer you on it retroactively because I want you, I want you to say it and I I, I certainly want you to believe it as a fan, but I definitely want you to say it as the host of the radio show. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a very good point. No question. Uh, One last question about the, uh, the, the writer specifically, Uh, I had to bring this up and just speaking of, uh, tough beats and uh, you know brutal losses you know obviously Seattle had a couple Super Bowls they lost so they should have won against Pittsburgh and New England uh, the, the uh, 13th man for the Saskatchewan how often do you get uh, asked about that and does, does it still haunt you as a fan to know that they'd won the Grey Cup and then they had an extra man on the field so then they eventually lost illegal substitution too many men on the field Saskatchewan Oh my! it's a 10 yard penalty will repeat first down Duval gets a second chance And The Montreal Alouettes have come all the way back, and they are
0: the 2009 Grey Cup champions. Heartbreak for Saskatchewan. Yeah, uh, it's it's almost a no go. All sometimes if we if we even get near that area, people will just catch me too soon. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, I get it. It's 12 years ago. It's too soon. I just I, I have a running joke where I just I just pretend I forget these horrible things that happened to the riders along the way. I, why would Paul Lafellis be slamming down his headset? I have no idea, none whatsoever. What? What? What about? What do you mean about the the crossbar in the north end zone? I have no idea what that is. I don't remember how the west <laughs> final ended. I think I turned off the TV at that point, right? <laughs> I just, I just don't want to. I don't want to bring those up because they are sore points. They are absolutely sore points, and it's, and that's the game of football, right? But yeah, I, I, I do my best to never. To never mention 2009 uh, whatsoever, and I, I do my I do my best to not even uh, except when you know the rookie quarterback hits the crossbar in training camp. Then we'll bring up the crossbar, but mm-hmm. uh, and then of course when he, when Cody does it to the opposite crossbar in, in the Labor Day game, yeah. okay, we we have to talk about it again. But most times I just pretend I have no idea what people are talking about <laughs> when they mention those uh, those days. I feel like that's just easier for me. Had I lived through it, had I been the voice of the Riders back then? I, I would probably feel a little more safe talking about it, but I'm still, you know, I just started in 2019, so no, some of those things predate me, so I don't want to, I'm not going to take credit for the 2013 breakout, but and uh, I don't want people to yell at me over the 13th man.
1: Uh, yeah, that's so brutal, and it's funny, uh, when people oftentimes, uh, you know, obviously they hear, I'm a Seahawks fan, and immediately goes to the Super Bowl against uh, New England in terms of they should have ran the ball. I've said that story at nauseum. I think they should have still passed, but uh, exactly, like,
0: exactly. Thank you. They sh- they have to throw the ball, so they keep the run pass option for later. Come
1: on, exactly. They only had the one time out left, and but but also to keep them on their heels, right? Because they're not expecting a pass. But I've always said the the issue they should have put uh, 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 Wilson. They shouldn't have put him in a shotgun. They should have at least made it seem like they were giving the ball to uh, Marshawn Lynch. There, I thought that was that was the mistake. But, uh, no, but the, the funny thing is, to them, that Super Bowl, obviously, it hurts and sucks that they lost Seattle, but it's a great game, two awesome teams going back and forth, whatever, whatever. No one, by the way, ever blames the defense for not holding a 10-point lead, one of the best defenses of all time. No one even talks about yeah. that, but it's funny, the ins and outs of these games that get lost when certain things happen, but the Super Bowl against Pittsburgh in 2006, that's the one that fires me up way more, even though it was 15 years ago, because that game was absolutely an attainable game that they sh- probably should have won Seattle, but... Uh, they did some bad things in that game, the, the Seahawks, no question. But the officials definitely helped Pittsburgh in that game quite a bit, and that's the one that bothers me way more because it feels like you know they basically got robbed out of a Super Bowl there.
0: Uh, to, to paraphrase Smooth Jimmy Apollo from uh, an early Simpsons episode, uh, when you lose, when you win forty eight percent of the time, you lose fifty two percent of the time. <laughs> he he was his was slightly different, right? But that's, uh, that's the thing, like. Even if you oh we're, we're destined to win in this situation, we're with us on the one where we win this game. Win probability is ninety two point five percent. Like yeah, there's still seven and a half percent where it goes wrong. And it's not not that Pete Carroll's a moron and that Marshawn Lynch is this inevitable force of of incredible power. Uh, sometimes the game, sometimes the other guy makes one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history against your team, and it doesn't invalidate everybody. That, and everything that happened prior to that.
1: Absolutely. And and, and within that game itself, uh, I think there was three or four different times Seattle needed a one yard to gain, third and one and fourth and one, and Lynch didn't get it every single time. So I'm sure that also played a factor in their mind. Okay, for some reason, he's not getting that extra yard. And I wish I could find the exact stat on that. But speaking of stats, we'll get to that in one sec, actually. Good segue. The uh, There was a stat that uh, uh, NBC put on the next year on, on Sunday Night Football about Lynch. A uh, minimum, I think it was 150 carries. He was one of the worst uh, running backs for some weird reason in NFL history at gaining an extra yard. For, uh, for, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because he's obviously an amazing running back. I love Marshall Lynch. Don't get me wrong. But for some reason, yeah. that stat, for some reason, he couldn't do it. And game one the next year against the Rams in overtime, Seattle. They needed It was fourth and one in overtime. They gave it to Lynch, and he got stuffed. And for, so it's just yeah. a, it's, it's these these different factors that people, unless they really hone in on stats, they don't really uh, they don't really fact into factor into it because it's just like oh the result wasn't good so therefore it was a stupid play. Well, well think about it a little bit more, you know.
0: Yeah, there there was one like that. The Calgary Stampeders had one in my in my CFL time where uh, they were. Gosh, forgive me, I forget. It's I I could search up the game in a minute and figure it out, but. Uh, they gave the ball to their backup quarterback in a critical to goal situation. And he tries to go off the end and he fumbles and everyone's like, Well, why didn't they why did they keep Bowley by Mitchell in the game? And Bowley by Mitchell was like, Yeah, I don't know why they took me out of the game. And I'm I'm yelling at the, the clips on Sports Center going, Bo, they never sneak with you both. You no, know right. this. You're yeah. the quarterback. You know you're not the sneak quarterback, and you'll know going to the edge on a a, a quarterback sneak is an absolutely standard play, Mm -hmm. standard line for that situation. You are letting the results pollute the way you're thinking about the decision. The decision was good. You just can't be results-oriented thinking. We talked about grammar at the beginning, how it drives us nuts, and spelling. Results-oriented thinking drives me nuts, and Mm -hmm. it's way too prevalent in sports because you make the decision at the time – with the information you have and how it goes is not entirely up to you because those other guys get paid too. So too many times I hear, well, it didn't work. So it was the wrong call. Absolutely not. No, it was the right call. They just, sometimes they make the play.
1: Yeah. Well, a perfect example of that, actually, I, I, I've railed on this one a little bit. I'm not sure if I've talked about it on this podcast, but the uh, world series last year, uh raise against um, the Dodgers. In game two, I believe it was, Blake Snell, uh, they left him out, I think, into the sixth inning, I want to say it is, and they kept him going, and uh, he gave up a couple base runners. Now, thankfully, Tampa Bay ended up winning that game. The bullpen was able to save them, so no, no harm, no foul. But then fast forward to his next start, I think it was game six, I believe it was, of the World Series against the Dodgers. Uh, they took him out uh, after, I think it was five innings, five or six innings, whatever it was. And everyone was right. ripping them for like, what are you doing? You're taking the guy out. He's on fire. Like, what a boneheaded decision. Da, 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 da. That's pretty much 99% of people who say that. But it's like, you, if you're an analyst, you have to say, literally, in his previous start, he had the game, and he was doing great, and they left him in a little bit too long, and he almost screwed them because, the, uh, thankfully, the bullpen saved them. But So you, it's like, you have to think about that. If you're an analyst, say, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe they should have kept him in. Fair enough. You could argue that point, obviously. But think about yeah. it. Give an alternative thought as opposed to just because it didn't work. Because of course the the Dodgers ended up winning. Instead of just saying, "Oh, it's stupid because it didn't work," think about it. Have a little bit more critical analysis to that. And it, that, that one drives me uh, crazy.
0: Yeah. So that's the stuff I always try to. The perspective I always try to bring to the game of, "Hey, this play didn't work. This was the end of their season." But no, this was a this was a great call. I've got examples from throughout my play by play life. Like, yeah. Oh no. They, yeah. That's absolutely the call to make. I thought it was beautiful. It just. It didn't work out at all, and because that's how sports happen, right? They, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Best laid plans, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, did you get into some of this stuff when you did uh, the details on CFL uh, on sports Center? Like, you know, what, what were some, what are some of the uh, in-depth stats that you really like to get to get into uh, for those? Uh,
0: I try. i try to think. Like within within that, like I was just uh, just looking at expected completion and expected interception or expected accuracy percentage. Of, of CFL quarterbacks, I'm just updating my numbers for at, through week six, and and who's the best in that? And and there are just there are times where I'm working with a with a guy who has things like uh, EPA expected points added I and win probability and stuff like that. He's a little deeper into the numbers than I have, but we're sharing data into that, and you go, oh, okay, well, hey, let's uh, let's be going for it on third down more than it was. And if if someone ever decides to to bring me on as a coach at the CFL level, like a, a deep down the bench coach at the CFL level, and here's all this, all these things about, Oh, you need to never give up the safety. They don't give up the safety in the NFL. Here's why you shouldn't in the Canadian football league, right? You got to punt that ball out of your end zone and not be, not be afraid of your own shadow. Like there's, there's, there's a lot of things where when you really start to look at it, you go, Uh I least these uh, coaches coach to keep their job. It seems like a lot of times within their decision-making and whether they believe that to be the case or not, you go, uh, that's a, uh, that's a keep your job kind of call right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFL is, is getting better in that respect, but uh, you know, Pete Carroll throwing the ball on second down was definitely not a keep your job kind of call, right? And you were just stuffed it with Marshawn three times and they've lost the game and people, well, why didn't you throw it?
1: Mm-hmm. Because
0: that's, that's how it goes. But yeah, yeah, no, the, the details in my uh, staff work and been that's been a ton of fun. It's a ton of work, right? To get every play of every game, but it's, it, it opens up some things and you go, Oh, I, Actually, I probably wouldn't have noticed that guy, but look at this number. I'm going to go watch him more. And he reveals that there are some stars that we just don't see sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. And did, is there any bet, bets that you made at the start of the season or, or any uh, tips that you'd say uh, that you're liking? Uh, I know you do uh, uh, on Bodog there. actually, I have Bodog pulled up right now. Basically, what I'm saying is, should I bet the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to win the Grey Cup?
0: Uh, they're at <laughs> five fifty, And that, this is probably getting out to be the highest price that they've been at any point. Uh, they were one of the favorites. They might well have been – Hamilton probably should have been the favorite in every book uh, in preseason, but Saskatchewan would have been number two favorite. I would wait and see. Um, right now, 550 here at Bodog isn't enough for me to take the Riders to win the Great Cup. I need to see them a little more because they just got trounced by the Bombers in back-to-back games, right? Mm-hmm. So they put they play the Argos on Friday, and that will be a good test of, okay, I'm going to learn a lot about these two teams who will be important down the stretch uh, to look at it. So, and especially if, if the riders lose that game, and end up being three and three, you go, okay, well, I'm going to get better odds if I believe in them and I'm going to have more information. Um, Just looking at the prices right now, there's not, there's not any of these I would take. Uh, I'm I'm very happy to have, well, I was very happy to have the Elks plus a thousand in the preseason, but uh, they haven't turned out at all, but I'm I'm going to, I think, I think I'm going to sweep my win totals in CFL because Hamilton's destined to win under nine and a half games. They've already lost three. So their, their max wins is now 11. They lose two more, which they're going to with their uncertain quarterback situation. Mm -hmm. That one's a lock. Uh, well, the Elks over five and a half will be interesting because three games in seven days, is a real kick in the pants to anybody who bet on the Elks this season. And, uh, BC's got three wins, five games in. Their win total was five. That one's happening for sure. So I'm 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 pretty happy with all my uh, I'm pretty happy with my futures bets in the CFL and that they're going to turn a profit. And then of course the Prop Masters were now 21 and 10 this season with the bets we've recommended at TSN Edge. Sweet. So that thing is that's absolutely flying. We're very happy with that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you and Aaron Karolnik there uh, do a good job with that. Uh what about I'm um, some I love uh so the one reason I don't like uh futures, futures bets as much is because I, I just want to win the money now I don't want to have to wait you know if it's eight yeah. months from da- uh, down the road or whatever right so uh I'll see the the red blacks though 40 to one yeah can I uh, can you talk me into that no. you know, I, <laughs> They
0: didn't want a game yet, oh. have they? uh they so they won the first game of the season they beat the Everton oh, Elks in week right. number one on a on a 100 I think it was like a 108 yard interception return right. where Harris throws the ball slightly inaccurately and shy Ross pops it out of his hand to the defender who takes it to the house they had less uh, it fewer than 120 yards of offense in that game anyway <laughs> that is the, that's the luckiest one and0 in the league this season and since then they've just gone on to get absolutely sculled <laughs> by every other team yeah. because they don't they don't have they just don't have the talent. So they you, you can fluke out a win. They 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 won two games in 2019. This is the thing I didn't get about that, and why I had to kind of fight the, the prevailing narrative. They won two, they won three games in an 18 game season and got less talented. And they started that three and 15 season two and 0, oh, including they won a game in which they threw four interceptions, and that that never happens in football. And then they absolutely trounced the Riders in an incredible performance all around but it was, it, was so far, uh, it was so far an outlier that they lost 15 of their next 16. They got less talented, and the, the line was three and a half wins in a 14-game season. And I just looked at that and went, there's no way. So what's my max? Click. And I consider this, as my friend Arash with Andy says, uh, this is an investment opportunity <laughs> on, the, on the Red Blacks to not win three and a half games. And I've had to take a lot of crap about calling them a bad football team. They're the twelfth best football team in the Canadian Football League, the 19 League, <laughs> but they, they've they've done they've done wonders to prove my point these last two weeks. So I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable with the under three and a half because there's still even room for more fluke performances or they bring in you know total line changes for their for their roster. It's I, I'm pretty comfortable that I'm going to be celebrating that one. Gosh, sometime in December when those get paid out.
1: I had a great one uh, last year after Colin Morikawa won the PGA championship. uh, He was 66 to one to win this year's, um, uh, this last season's uh, money list on the PGA tour. And I was like, my goodness, this guy, this kid is unbelievable. He's already won a major. Like whenever he has a chance to win, he pretty much always does or, you know, finishes second or whatever. So I was very, very excited to get him at 66 to one. That's amazing. Obviously, he wins at a WGC this year. He wins the Open Championship. I'm riding high. Three tournaments to go. He's leading the money list. So I could have won $400 had he won it. They were trying to cash me out uh, $100. I said, no, 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 I'll let this ride. You know, I, I don't want <laughs> to punt away $300 in case he does uh, eventually do it. Because he was winning the money list. John Rom, who was behind him, wasn't playing because he had COVID. I'm like, this is a, not a lock, but this is a pretty good possibility. And then yeah. Colin Morikawa went like last, miscut last, or something along those lines. Thanks, man. And <laughs> completely blew that one up. But yeah, do you have any uh, sort of the worst gambling beat that you've ever uh, ever had?
0: Oh, man. I mean, there have been some this season where, uh, like, I, I've been half-yarded on on yard total over-unders this season a couple times already. Yes. Last, last season, I got one-half-yarded by Vernon Adams. Uh, this season, Zach Kaleros was, I, I feel like the number was 217-and-a-half, and, and they're, they're rolling in, in the first game against Toronto, and Kalaros the 217 was something like 11 minutes left in the game, and it's just, you're just hanging on. You're like, Damn it, suits! Get me another half yard. Make them throw the ball, and he finished the game on two seventeen yeah. when his over under total. And I had the over at 217 and a half. Like, <laughs> really? Is this is this what we're doing here? And so I've been I've been half yarded twice this season. Once by Vernon Adams last season, and then yeah, every every once in a while you get somewhere. You go they they post a line for a guy, and you go, well, that guy's not starting, and he's not he's going to play, but he's not going to be starting. Uh, Brady Oliveira, I think, in game four was the prop running back that some books put out. And he went, well, Andrew Harris is back starting. Oliveira might get a touch. Uh, you hammer the unders on that. And then they go, oh, he didn't play, so it doesn't count. And you go, well, he was probably on special teams somewhere. You can't pay a brother out for that. Right, of uh, course. But, but, yeah, those are if, – if anybody wants to – if anybody wants to get a little deeper into CFL, there's some very – exploitable lines in the Canadian football league. And uh, we're, we'll tell you about mo- some of them in pop masters, but we're going to keep some of the other ones to ourselves because we, you don't want the books to know that they're doing this really, really wrong because mm-hmm. ultimately they don't like, they don't n- nearly care right between uh, if it's, if it's, we need to be worried about the NFL or we need to be worried about the CFL, the handle on the NFL must be a, a thousand times more, 10,000 times more. Right. So, We got a situation this past week where on one sports book, Toronto was it was Toronto playing Hamilton. Toronto was plus one forty two. On another sports book, Hamilton was plus one thirty. Oh, he went right, and there's the ultimate opportunity to go. Oh, okay, well I put down X on on one team at plus one forty two, and I put X down on the other team at plus one thirty. I'm guaranteed a you know a fifteen percent profit because I've got two X and I'm going to get paid out at least. Thirty cents on the dollar. This is. <laughs> Can you imagine if that happened in the NFL? Oops. Like, it, Crazy. someone someone would hang a, a for sale sign on their casino if they put that up in the NFL. Okay. But those exist in the, in the Canadian Football League, and that's why I would encourage everybody to uh, be taking in our stuff at TSN Edge and to be to be at, watching the CFL because there are some real great investment opportunities in the Canadian Football League.
1: The, uh, the one of the fair things that I like to bet on for football is uh, uh, touchdown scores. It's just sort of fun to be yeah. able to, you know, like I said, I like the instant win. So it's like, boom, you know, you won, whatever. The guy's whatever, 20 to one, put five bucks on him. He gets a, a touchdown, a hundred bucks. Awesome. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I haven't been on Bodog in a little while. Uh, they don't have touchdown scores for CFL. They do it for the NFL, which is annoying. Uh, cause I, I would love if they had, they offered that uh, bet more often.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they just can't—they don't feel they can price that correctly. They'll—they'll they'll have like well, the over/under of one and a half touchdown passes for the for this quarterback or for this team's quarterbacks and interception crowds. But yeah, not anytime touchdown scores or first half. Uh, and I wonder if that's just they don't know that they can price that correctly, or it's just not worth their time, honestly. Because in the in the scheme of gambling, uh, the CFL is such a small corner of it that they go. Uh, we got to dedicate our time to Mountain West football instead to make sure we got that right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the uh, bad bad gambling beats and touchdown scores, it was Week 17 against the Niners, Seattle against the Niners a couple of years ago to uh, for all the marbles to win the uh, the, the division title. And uh, before the game, the book that I used, it's so funny they uh, offer a touchdown scores, but sometimes they'll have guys who aren't even playing or they're on the, the IR. It's like if, if someone's not actually sharp and paying attention, they'd be betting on Colby Parkinson to get a touchdown, and he's literally on the IR, so he's not even going to get one for Seattle. But uh, they had John Ursua, Seattle's uh, seventh-round pick uh, from the previous year's draft, and he never caught an NFL pass at all. Going into that game, for some reason, his line to get a touchdown at any time of the game was thirty-three to one, which is like that's insane, right? For at any time of yeah. the game, for a guy who's playing and he was playing, he suited up. Anyway, so at the end of the game, Seattle needed to get, um, uh, I think they were on the, uh, n- the nine yard line or maybe the 10 yard line. They needed to get a touchdown to p- potentially win the division. John Orsua catches his very first pass in the NFL, ah. catches it for nine yards all the way to like the half yard line. Had he got that touchdown, I would have won almost, I think it was almost $1,000. Because I was like, oh, I got to put like a you know decent amount of money on this. This is incredible, thirty three to one that he get at any time, and it was a half a yard short. I was like, oh, and obviously then then Seattle ended up losing the game as well. Uh, so it was like a double whammy of just this is brutal. <laughs> That's
0: a- Oh yeah, and he's never I, caught a
1: pass again. That guy—he he tore his ACL in the preseason, and who knows—he's you know his third year of his career. He might never get another opportunity in the NFL. He had one catch to the half yard line that screwed me out of a thousand.
0: So close, and yet so far. So yeah, <laughs> I, I I love those, and those are some of the why well, I love some of the futures. Like you, you talk to a guy, and uh, and and you he said, I talked to a guy this offseason. He's like, oh, uh, I was talking to some coaches at LSU, and they're going to try to win Derek Stingley the Heisman. You know, oh, okay. Uh, 84 to one, boom! It's gonna be a merry Christmas if somehow Stingley wins the Heisman, like a defensive back. They're gonna use him a kickoff. They're gonna try to get him some offensive package. He can, he can win the Heisman, I'm like oh. And then when every quarterback wet the bed in week number one, you're like oh, oh, I feel a little better about my Stingley 84 to one now. If it comes, if you expect it, it's just gonna fall by the wayside. But man, if it comes through, I'm gonna tattoo that thing to my forehead and brag about it forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Damn, Damn yeah. that would be yeah. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Gatling makes, gambling makes things great. You do it under control and, and it, it just makes things. So I was hanging into the very end of the, uh, Munch, uh pardon me, the Ottawa Red Blacks BC Lions game on the triple header on Saturday. So I'm like, oh, I need this Shaq Cooper over and I need this Red Blacks running backs o- under and I need to make sure Dom Davis both can throw two touchdowns. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, and it was only like, for me, it was only like a hundred bucks in total, but man, I was in for good. It could have been twenty bucks. I would have been in watching that to the bitter end. That's that's the power that gambling can have for broadcasting, and in our, in our case, radio networks.
1: This has been awesome, uh, Derek. Thank you so much. Uh, what can uh, where can listeners uh, listen to your sports cage uh, show, uh, and, and uh, what uh, what time?
0: So uh, we are on six twenty CKRM here in Saskatchewan. We're at four to six thirty Saskatchewan time, which is currently six to eight thirty Eastern time. Uh, six twenty CKRM.com is where they can get the. Uh, the podcast version or wherever you get your podcast, just download the sports cage and it'll come uh, right to your phone. There's also rider radio with the podcast version of all our rider games. You can hear myself and Luke Mollander. Gosh. And then, yeah, every, uh, every CFL week, Aaron Perolik and I are doing two or three segments on the CFL games and the prop bets. You absolutely have to have, uh, those are uh, at TSN edge. Follow them on Twitter as well. And, uh, yeah, follow me at DT on SC for, for all sorts of great CFL gambling insights.
1: That's amazing. And uh, finally, uh, how often do you play uh, the Experience Regina song? Uh, uh, we used to do that all the time on you know the Jon Wright show, and occasionally it still does. I love that song so much, or have you heard it so much it it loses its uh, luster?
0: Regina. I've done it maybe once, but for me, like I kind of associate I associate that that song with the Jay and Dan podcast, right? So that that to me that feels like I'd be stealing someone else's material.
1: <laughs> like it, I,
0: I feel like if I if I reference CKBJ, I'm like, well, I can't. You know, really, that's 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 Dan's thing and that's Jay's thing to make fun of Dan with, right? Like <laughs> that's there are some things that it just it feels like. Oh, I don't want to I don't want to be stealing another person another forecaster's bit. And I feel like that one is, and especially a guy who I, I respect as much as Jay. I'm like, yeah, I kind of have to let that one go. Just, <laughs> it's, it's a great song though. And it's, it's always funny. Well,
1: thank you uh, so much, my friend. And uh, it's been a blast and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Sounds good. Take care.
1: That was tons of fun chatting with Derek Taylor about his career and how it led to him being the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I really enjoyed how deep we got into how the result of a play in sports might not actually be a bad play call, Just because it didn't work, it's lazy to only think of it in those terms. He does a fantastic job with TSN Edge, a site that I also write on for golf betting advice. Brag. Make sure to check out my Golf Picks every PGA Tour event on Twitter and Instagram in my All Bets Par Off series weekly. Great discussing old Simpsons references, and it's hilarious how he was able to weave in two friends' names onto SportsCenter back in the day. I truly love to know he's a fellow grammar, not grandma, nerd as well. As we stated, Darren Detitian is an absolute beauty of a broadcaster, but more importantly, the best man. We're all pulling for you in your battle of cancer, Duchy. And if there's anybody that I know that has the strength, conviction, and dedication to get through it, it would absolutely be you. Love you so much, my man. Thank you for listening to episode 71 of the H-Dog Pod. May? This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison.